0: So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are a grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello and welcome to the Leaves of Glen Warrior's Hut. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a warrior's hut and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, uh, I'll be reading from Robert Irvin Howard's Conan series, Uh, this story being The Tower of the Elephant. Want to learn about the author? Sure. Robert Irvin Howard, uh, born January 22nd, 1906 and died June 11th, 1936. Uh, Robert Irvin Howard uh, was an American writer who he wrote pulp fiction in a diverse range of genres. Uh, He is well known for his character Conan the Barbarian and is regarded as the father of the sword and sorcery subgenre. He committed suicide when he was 30, uh, because his mom was terminally ill and he was very attached to her, which made people wonder about his mental health at the time. Uh, I was kind of pulling for this guy, uh, because I sort of thought, oh, he invented a genre. Uh, People probably didn't respect it very much at the time. Most of his stuff was written in a magazine called Weird Tales, and uh, I was just kind of hoping that, I hope, oh God, I hope he's not racist. Wouldn't that be nice if we had one author uh, besides the guy that wrote Winnie the Pooh who's just not an asshole? But uh, thanks to the Jerks over at the Words About Books podcast, uh, they said, Oh, I heard you're reading Howard's. Well, did you know this? Did you know that he's famously best friends with H.P. Lovecraft? Oh, they were both published in similar magazines like Weird Tales and started corresponding through letters up until Howard's suicide. Uh, besides H.P. bragging about his travels up and down the East Coast, which isn't impressive, and Howard's trying to impress him with stories about how big Texas is. Oh, they were both famously racist. Uh, Some people tried to defend Howard as being uh, from the South in a culture of casual racism, so you can't blame him so much for not understanding what the world's like outside of that, but also trying to fit in with the more famous H.P. And then when he was quoted as saying the following in his letters, we're talking about a rancher who is being invested in the murder of a Mexican man uh, just why so much trouble was taken about a Mexican I can't understand uh, in reference to a trial in Honolulu where Native Hawaiians were accused of rape Howard's wrote I uh, I know what would have happened to them in Texas oh I don't know whether ugh an oriental smells any different when an n-word uh, when he's being roasted alive, but I'm willing to bet the aroma of scorching hide would have had the same chastening effect on the surviving tribesmen. So, um, maybe he's just trying to fit in, possibly, but that seems pretty freaking extreme. Uh, there's also a conversation between Howard and Novalyn Price, uh, that is remembered in her memoir, where she says, uh, she wrote, uh, I guess you know if an N-word is found on the streets after Dark and Coleman, Santa Ana, and several other towns around here, oh, they run him out of town. Chances are that they might tar and feather him. And when Novalin reacted negatively, Howard returned, let me tell you something, comma, girl, comma, uh, that you don't seem to know. These people come from a different line. They have different blood. And then she also writes that in real life, he is squeamish about violence and bloodshed. Uh, but he writes approvingly of racial violence in more than one instance in a letter to Lovecraft. He's implied that he knows the smell of an N-word when he's roasting. Uh... So I I don't really think that he was trying to fit in when he keeps talking about burning people. Uh, He's clearly a crap person. And uh, with what he writes in his own books, all the races in his novels are based on existing cultures found today, with Cimmerians being proto-Celts and Shemites being proto-Jewish and Cushites being proto-Blacks and Africans and uh, the Kiri-Kati were proto-Chinese. Uh, in The Queen and Black, The Coast, uh, he writes, The Shemite soul finds a, a bright drunkenness in riches and material splendor. And in The Hour of the Dragon, uh, black guards are described as grunting in their ape-like speech. Uh, in the book The Hyena, he says, Because I come from Virginia, race, instinct, and prejudice are strong in me. And doubtless, the feeling of inferiority which Sinoza constantly inspired in me had a great deal to do with my antipathy for him, uh, in the book *The Black Khan*, he says uh, uh, Saul Stark is a great big black devil that talks better English than I like to hear uh, an N-word talk. I'm still going. I don't care if uh, Phil, who sucks at battle, is currently getting his butt kicked out there right now outside of our warriors hut which is uh, supposed to remind me that i got to stop babbling and get back to the show. But I'm still going. Uh, In the book, The Fear Master, he says, Born and raised in Arizona of good Virginia fighting stock, I held N-words in contempt and was a strong believer in Nordic and especially Celtic superiority. So, he's just a huge, huge pile of shit. Uh, One of Howard's close friends, Travis Clyde Smith, assures us that Howard, uh, quote, did not like the N-words in Jews, uh, but would be willing to fight in a race war. So, I don't think he's just trying to fit in. I think he's just a horrible guy who spent a lot of time probably daydreaming about just killing other people who weren't white. Uh, so, this is the last story I'm going to read from him, and I haven't read this story beforehand. I'm just reading it out loud live. So, I hope to God there isn't anything insanely racist in it uh and then after that i'm going to uh post this mp3 up and then slide my computer into the garbage and then try to think of something else to read uh for next week but with that let's dive into the story It took you forever to come into my warrior's hut. Why don't you close the flap eh? and uh, come here to the center of the warrior's hut where I've got a beautiful little fire burning for me to read to you. Uh, next to it. Oh, uh, the Tower of the Elephant, Chapter 1. Torches. Close the flap. Yeah, go back. And, yeah, close the flap. Okay, thank you. All right, well, come sit down. There you go. Torches flared murkily on the revels in the mall. Where the thieves of the East Held carnival by night eh? And in the mall they must carouse And roar as they liked For honest people shoved the Quarters and the watchmen, uh, well paid with stained coins, uh, did not interfere with their sport. Along the crooked, unpaved streets with their heaps of refuse and, and, and sloppy puddles, uh, drunken roisterers staggered, roaring, uh, steel glinted in the shadows where uh, wolf preyed on wolf, and from the darkness rose the shrill laughter of women. Uh, ugh, gross. And the sounds of scufflings and strugglings. Torchlight licked. Luridly, from broken windows and and wide-thrown doors, and out of those doors, eh, stale smells of wine and rank sweaty bodies, clamor of drinking jacks and fists hammered on rough tables, snatches of obscene songs, oh, I bet they were naughty, and rushed like a blow in the face. In one of these dens, merriment thundered to the low smoke-stained roof, where rascals gathered in every stage of rags and tatters, Furtive cut purses, leering kidnappers, quick-fingered thieves, swaggering bravados with their with their with their wenches, eh? Yeah? Strident-voiced women, ooh, strident-voiced women—that's the worst. Clad in tawdry finery, and native rogues wear the dominant element: dark-skinned, dark-eyed Zamorians with daggers at their at their girdles and guile in their hearts. Ah, but there were wolves, a half dozen outland nations there as well. Ah, uh, there was the giant Hyborian renegade, attack turned dangerous with a broadsword strapped to his great gaunt frame, for men wore steel openly in the mall. Ah, there was a sh- sh- shermetish counterfeiter with his, oh god, with his hook nose and curled bluejack beard. Uh, there was a blue-eyed Berthunian wrench sitting on the knee of a tawdry, dark-haired uh, gunderman, a wandering mercenary soldier, eh? a deserter from some defeated army, and the and the fat, fat gross world. God, this guy sucks. A body jests were all causing shouts of mirth from a professional kidnapper come up from distant Koth to teach women's stealing to Zamorians who were born with more knowledge of the art than he could ever attain. Yeah, in this story, he's just going off the rails. All of his personal opinions about people are just all over the pages. This man halted in his description of an intended victim's charms and thrust his muzzle into a huge tankard of frothing ale. (laughs) And then blowing the foam from his fat lips, he said... Bell, Belle, yeah, god of all thieves. I'll show them how to steal wenches. I'll have her over the Zamorian border before dawn, and there'll be a caravan waiting to receive her. Three hundred pieces of silver. A Count of Ophir promised me for a sleek young eh, of a better class. Oh, it took me weeks, wandering among the border cities as a beggar, to find one I knew would suit, and she's a pretty baggage. He blew a slobbery kiss in the air. I know lords in Shem who would trade the secret of the elephant tower for her, he said, returning to his ale. Oh, uh. Touch on his tunic sleeve made him turn his head, scowling at the interruption. He saw a tall, strongly-made youth standing beside him. This person was as much out of place in that den as a gray wolf among mangy mangy rats of the gutters. Uh, His cheap tunic could not conceal the hard, rangy lines of his powerful frame and uh, and the broad shoulders of his his massive chest, His, uh, his lean waist. Oh, his heavy arms! Oh, his skin was brown from outland suns, and his eyes blue and smoldering. A shock of tousled black hair crowned his broad forehead, and from his girdle hung a hung a sword in worn leather scabbard. The Kothian involuntarily drew back, for the man was not of any civilized race he knew. Ah, oh, yeah. "'You spoke of the elephant tower?' Eh, said the stranger, speaking Samorian with an uh, an alien accent. "'I've heard much of this tower. Uh, "'What is its secret?' Oh, the fellow's attitude did not seem threatening, and the Kothian's outrage, or courage, sorry, was bolstered up by ale and the evident approval of his audience. Oh, he swelled with self-importance. ah the secret of the elephant's tower, he exclaimed. Why, oh, any fool knows that Yara, the priest, dwells there with a with a great jewel, men called the elephant's heart. Uh, that's the secret of his magic. The barbarian dis- uh, disgusted uh, this forest space. They- oh, Digested. Why can't I read that word? That's weird. I'm going to start over. The barbarian digested this for a space. I have seen this tower, he said. It is set in a great garden above the level of the city, surrounded by high walls. I've seen no guards, huh? And the walls will be, oh, oh, easy to climb. Why has nobody stolen the secret gem? Oh, the Cothian stared wide-mouthed at the other's simplicity and then burst into a roar of derisive mirth in which the others joined. Harken uh, to this heathen, he bellowed. He would steal the jewel of Yara. <laughs> "Hearken, fellow, he said, turning portentously to the other. Oh, I suppose you are some sort of northern barbarian. I am a Sumerian, the outlander answered in no friendly tone. The reply and the manner of it meant little to Cothian, uh, of a, a kingdom that lay far to the south on uh, the borders of Sham. And so he knew only vaguely of the northern races. Then give ear and learn wisdom, fellows," he said, pointing his drinking jack at the discomfited uh, youth. Yeah, "And know that in Zamora and more especially in this city there are more bold thieves than anywhere else in that in the world. Eh, even cough, if mortal men could have stolen the gem, oh, be sure it would have been filched long ago. You speak of climbing walls, but once having climbed, would you quickly wish yourself?" back again? Ah, oh, there's no guards in the gardens at night, for a very good reason. That is, no human guards, but in the watch chamber in the lower part of the tower. Oh, there's armed men. Even if you pass those who roam the gardens by night, you must uh, you must still pass through the soldiers, uh, for the gem is kept somewhere in the, in the tower above. But if a man could pass through the gardens, argued the Siberian, why could he not come at the gem, through the upper part of the tower, and avoid the soldiers? Again, the Cothigan Gaped at him. And uh, uh, listen to him! He shouted jeeringly. The barbarian is an eagle who would fly to the jeweled rim of the tower, uh, which is only a hundred and fifty feet uh, above the earth, which rounded sides slicker than polished glass. The Sumerian glared about, embarrassed at the roar of mocking laughter that greeted this remark. Oh, he saw no particular humor in it, but he was uh, new to civilization to understand its discourtesies. Civilized men are more discourteous than savages, because they know how they, how they can be impolite without having their skull split as a general thing, and so that he would be bewildered and chagrined and doubtless would have slunk away, abashed. But the Cothigan chose to goad him further. Hey, come, come, he shouted. And tell these uh, poor fellows, who have only been thieves since before you were spawned, uh, tell them how you would steal the gem. Well, uh, there's always way. "'If the desire be coupled with courage,' "'answered the Sumerian shortly, nettled. Uh, "'The Kofigan chose to take this as a personal slur, "'and his face grew purple with anger. Uh, uh, "'What?' he roared. Uh, you, don't te- "'You dare tell our business, "'and intimate that we are cowards? "'Oh, get along and get out of my sight!' "'and he pushed the Sumerian violently. Uh, will you mock me and then lay hands on me? gave the barbarian, his quick rage leaping up and he had returned the push with a oh oh with an open handed blow that knocked his tormentor back against the rude hued table. Ale splashed over the jack's lip. And the Kothkin roared in fury Dragging at his sword. Heathen dog, he bellowed. Now have your heart for that. Steel flashed, and the throng surged wildly back out of the way. Finally, we're getting a fight scene. And the music's fitting for it right now. And in their flight, they knocked over the single candle. There's only one candle in the whole place. And the den was plunged. There's only one candle in the whole place. The den was plunged into darkness. Broken by the crash of upset benches, drum of flying feet, shouts oaths of people turning, <coughs> tumbling over one another, and a single strident yell of agony that cut the din like a, like a knife. Probably because it was a sharp thing like a knife that was shoved into someone. And when a candle was relit, the one candle was relit, most of the guests had gone out of the doors and broken windows, and the rest huddled behind stacks of wine kegs and under tables. And the barbarian was gone, eh, and the center of the room was deserted except for the gashed body of the coffin. The Cimmerian, with his unerring instinct of the barbarian, had killed his man in darkness and confusion. Chapter 2 Ah, the lurid lights and drunken revelry fell away behind the Sumerian, and he had discarded his torn tunic, and he walked through that night naked, oh, God, I was hoping he'd be naked, except for his loincloth and his high-strapped sandals, and he moved with supple ease of a, of a, oh I don't know, a great tiger in his steely muscles rippling under his brown skin. All he's doing is walking. He's just walking. And his like, muscles are rippling underneath his brown skin. He had entered the part of the city reserved for the temples. On all sides of him they glittered white in the starlight. Snowy marble pillars and golden domes and, and silver arches. Uh, shrines of Zamora's uh, myriad strange gods. And he did not trouble his head about them. He knew that Zamora's religion hmm, like all things civilized long settled people uh, was intricate and complex. And lost most of the pristine essence in a maze of formulas and rituals. Oh, he squatted for hours in the courtyards of the philosophers. listening to the arguments of theologians and teachers. And came away in a haze of bewilderment. Sure of only one thing. And that, that they were all touched in the head. <laughs> yeah, that'll show him. And his gods were simple and understandable. Crom was their chief. And he lived on a great mountain. Whence he sent forth dooms and death. It was useless to call on Crom because he was a gloomy savage god. And he hated weaklings. Yeah, nerdlingers. And he gave a man courage at birth and the will of might to kill his enemies. Which, in the Sumerian's mind, was all any god should be expected to do. His saddle feet made no sound on the gleaming pave. No watchman passed, for even the thieves of the mall shunned the temples, where strange dooms had been known to fall on violators. Ahead of him he saw, looming against the sky, the Tower of the Elephant. Oh, he mused, wondering why it was so named. Uh, no one seemed to know, and he had never seen an elephant, but he vaguely understood that it was a monstrous animal, with a tail in the front as well as behind. Uh, this wandering shemite had told him, swearing that he burp, had seen such beasts by the thousands in the country of the Hykerians. Uh, but all men knew that. What liars were the men of Shem? At any rate, uh, there were no elephants in Zamuria. The shimmering shaft of the tower rose frostily in the stars. Frostly. That was bad. In the sunlight, it shone so dazzlingly that few could bear its glare. And the man said it was built of silver, and it was round and slim and perfectly cylinder at 150 feet in height, and its rim glittered in the starlight with the great jewels that were crust it. And the tower stood among the waving, exotic trees of a garden raised high above the general level of the city. A high wall enclosed this garden, and outside the wall was a lower level, like, likewise enclosed by a wall. Nah, wall after wall. No light shone forth, and there seemed to be no windows in the tower, at least uh, not above the level of the inner wall. Only the gems uh, high above this sparkled frostily in the starlight. Shrubbery grew thick outside the lower or outer wall. The Cimmerian kept close and, and stood beside the barrier, measuring it with his eye. And it, it was high, uh, but he could leap and catch the coping with his fingers. And then it would be child's play to swing himself up and over, and he did not doubt that he could pass the inner wall in the same manner. But he uh, but he hesitated at thought of the strange perils which had awaited him, and these people were strange and mysterious to him. Oh, they were not of his kind, not even of the same blood. Oh here we go. As the more westerly Berthurians. Uh, Nemedians, Cothians, and Aquilonians God, this again Whose uh, civilized uh, mysteries had on him in times past All the people of Zamoria were very ancient And from what he had seen of them Very ancient evil. Oh, he thought of Yara, the high priest who worked strange dooms from his jeweled tower, and the Cimmerian's hair prickled as he remembered a tale told by a drunken page of the court how uh, Yara had laughed in the face of a hostile prince, and he held up a a glowing evil gem before him, and how rage shot out blindly from the unholy jewel uh, to envelop the prince, who screamed and fell down And shrank to a withered black lump that changed to a black spider, uh, which scampered wildly about the chamber till Yara uh, set his heel upon it. Uh, Yara came not often from the Tower of Magic, and always to work evil on some man or some nation. The king of Zamora feared him more than he feared death. And he kept himself drunk all the time because his fear was more than he could endure sober. Yara was uh, very old. <coughs> Centuries old, men said. And added that he would live forever because the magic of his jam, uh, which men called the heart of the elephant. For no better reason than they named his hold the Elephant's Tower. The Sumerian engrossed in these thoughts shrank quickly against the wall within the garden uh, someone was passing who walked with measured stride All oh, the listener heard the clink of steel so after all a guard did pace these gardens and Cimmerian waited expected to hear him pass again and on the next round but silence rested over the mysterious gardens at last curiosity overcame him leaping lightly he grasped the wall and swung himself up to the top with one arm and lying flat on the broad coping oh he looked down into the wide space between the walls no shrubbery grew near him though he saw some carefully trimmed bushes near the inner wall the starlight fell on the even swar- sour sward just sward not sword but sward and somewhere a fountain tinkled hmm. "'The Cimmerian cautiously lowered himself down into the inside "'and drew his sword, staring about him. "'He was shaken by the nervousness of the wild "'at the standing thus unprotected and naked stallion, "'and he moved lightly around the curve of the wall, "'hugging his shadow until he was even with the shrubbery he had noticed. Uh, "'Then he ran quickly toward it, crouching low, "'and almost tripped over a form that lay crumpled near the edge of the bushes. Uh, "'A quick look to right and left showed him no enemy in sight at least.' So he bent close to investigate. His keen eyes, even in the dim starlight, showed him strongly uh, a strongly built man in silvered armor and a crested helmet of the Zamorian royal guard. A shield and a spear lay near him, and it took but an instant's examination to show that he had been strangled. The barbarian glanced about uneasily, and he knew that this man must be the guard that he had heard passing in his hiding place by the wall. Only a short time had passed, and yet in that interval, nameless hands had reached out in the dark and choked out the soldier's life. Straining his eyes in the gloom, now he saw a hint of motion uh, through the shrubs near the wall. Thither, thither, that's a great word, I haven't heard that used in a long, long time. Thither he glided, gripping his sword. He made no more noise than a panther stealing through the night. Yet the man was stalking. The Cimmerian had a, a dim glimpse of a huge bulk close to the wall and felt relief that it was uh, at least human. Then the fellow wheeled quickly with a grasp that sounded like panic. And then he made his first motion of a forward plunge, hands clutching, then recoiled as the Cimmerian's blade caught the starlight. For a tense instant, neither spoke, standing ready for anything. Yeah, you're now, soldier, hissed the stranger at last. I, uh, you're a thief like myself. And who are you? Asked the Sumerian in a suspicious whisper. A Taurus in the media. The Sumerian lowered his sword. Oh, I've heard of you. Men call you a prince of thieves. Ah, a low laugh answered. Yeah, Taurus was tall and the Saberian heavier, and he was uh, big-bellied and fat. But every movement be, uh, betokened a subtle dynamic magnetism, which was reflected in the keen eyes that glinted vitally. Even in the starlight. Oh, he was... He is barefooted and carried a coil of what looked like a, a, thin, a thin, strong rope, knotted at irregular intervals. Ah, who are you? he whispered. Conan, a Sumerian," answered the other. I came seeking a way to steal Yara's jewel, that men call the elephant's heart. Conan sensed the man's great belly shaking in laughter. He sensed it or he watched it. But it was not derisive. Uh, by Bell, God of Thieves, his Tars. I uh, thought only myself had courage to attempt that poaching. These Zamorians call themselves thieves. Bah, Conan! I like your grit. I never shared an adventure with anyone. By uh, but by Bell, we'll attempt this together uh, 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 if you're willing. And then you're after the gem, too? Now ah, what else? I've had my planes laid for months, but you, I think, have acted on sudden impulse, my friend. I, I, you killed the soldier? Of course I slid over the wall when he was on the other side of the gun. I, I, I hid in the bushes, and he heard me, or thought he heard something, and anyway, when he came blundering over, it was no trick at all to get behind him and suddenly grip his neck and... And choke out this fool's life Uh, He was like most men Half blind in the dark A good thief should have eyes like a cat Uh, You made one mistake, said Conan Taurus's eyes flashed angrily I, I, a mistake impossible You should have dragged the body into the bushes said the novice to the master of the oh they will not change the guard until past midnight should anyone come uh, searching for him now and find his body ah, they'd have to flee at once Yara uh, bellowing the news and give us time to escape were they not to find it well they'd go beating up the bushes and catch us like rats in a trap ah you're right agreed Conan Uh, So, now attend. We waste time in this cursed discussion. There are no guards in the inner uh, garden—human guards, I mean—though there are sentinels even more deadly. Uh, It was their presence which baffled me for so long, but I finally discovered a way to circumvent them. What are are the soldiers in the lower parts of the tower— Ah, uh, old Yara dwells in the chambers above. By that row we will come and go. I hope. Uh, never mind asking me how. I've arranged a way. We'll steal down through the top of the tower and strangle old Yara before he can cast uh, any of his accursed spells at us. <laughs> and at last, we'll try. It's a, it's the chance of being turned into a spider, huh? or a, or, or a, or a toad. Uh, against the wealth and the power of the world, all good thieves must know how to take risks. "'I go as far as any man,' said Conan, slipping off his sandals. "'But then follow me!' And turning, Taurus leapt up then caught the wall and drew himself up. The man's suppleness was amazing. Considering his his bulk, Oh, he seemed to almost glide up over the edge of the coping. Conan uh, followed him, and lying flat on the broad top, they spoke in weary whispers. "'I, uh, I see no light,' Conan muttered.' The lower part of the tower seemed much like that, and a portion visible from the outside of the garden. A perfect uh, gleaming cylinder with no apparent openings. Uh, there's a, there's a cleverly constructed doors and windows, answered Taurus. But they are closed. Uh, the soldiers breathe air that comes from above. The garden was a vague pool of shadows. There were, at. oh, I don't know, feathery bushes eh? and low-spreading trees. Waving darkly in the starlight, Conan's uh, wary soul felt the aura of waiting menace that brooded over it. He felt the burning glare of unseen eyes, and he caught a subtle scent that made the short hairs on his neck I- in- instinctively bristle as a dog uh, hunting bristles at the scent of an ancient enemy. Follow me, whispered Taurus. Keep behind me as you value your life. Taking what looked like a copper tube from his girdle, the median dropped lightly to the the sward inside the wall, and Conan was close behind him, sword ready, but Taurus pushed him back close to the wall and showed no inclination to advance himself. The whole attitude was of tense expectancy, and his gaze, like Conan's, was fixed on the shadowy mass of shrubbery a few yards away. Oh, this is so exciting. Uh, this shrubbery was shaken, although the breeze had died down, and then two great eyes blazed from the waving shadows. Eh? And behind them, other sparks of fire glinted into the darkness. Lions, muttered Conan. Aye, and by day they are kept in subterranean caverns below the tower. That's why there are no guards in this garden. Oh. Oh, Conan counted the eyes rapidly. Five in sight. Yeah, maybe more bla- back in the bushes. Oh, they'll they'll charge in a moment. Be silent! Hissed Taurus, and then he moved out for the wall cautiously, as if treading on razors. Lifting the slender tube, low rumblings rose from the shadows, and the blazing eyes moved forward. Conan could sense the great slavering jaws, and the the, the tufted tails, lashing tawny sides, and the air grew tense, and the Cimmerian gripped his sword, expecting the charge and the irresistible hurtling of a giant body. Then Taurus brought the mouth of the tube to his lips, and he blew hmm, powerfully, and a long jet of yellowish powder shot from the other end of the tube and billowed out instantly into the thick green-yellow cloud that settled over the shrubbery, blotting out the glaring eyes. Taurus ran back hastily to the wall. Conan glared without understanding. The thick cloud hid the shrubbery, and from it no sound came. What is that mist? The Sumerian asked, uneasily. Death! hissed Numidian. If a wind springs up and blows it back upon us, we must flee over the wall, but no. The wind is still, and now it's dissipating. Wait until it vanishes entirely. To breathe it is death. Presently... "'Only yellowish sh- uh, shreds hung ghostly in the air. "'And uh, they were gone. "'And Taurus motioned his companion forward, "'and they stole toward the bushes, and Conan gasped. "'Stretched out of the shadowy, uh, lay five great tawny shapes. "'Oh, the fire of their grim eyes dimmed forever. "'The sweetish cloying scent lingered in the atmosphere. Ah, oh, they died without a sound,' muttered, uh, muttered the Sumerian. "'Taurus, where was that powder?' Oh, oh, it's made from black lotus, eh? Whose blossoms weave in the last jungles of Cahiti, uh, where only the yellow-skulled priests of Young dwell. All those, all those blossoms strike dead any who, who smell of them. Conan knelt beside the great floors, assuring himself that they were indeed beyond power of harm. He he shook his head. The magic of the exotic lands was mysterious and terrible to the barbarians of the north. Why, uh, why can you not uh, slay the soldiers of the tower the same way, he asked. Oh, it's because uh, that was all the powder I possessed. Obtaining of it was a great feat, in which itself was enough to make me famous among thieves of the world. Oh, I stole it out of a caravan, uh, caravan found in Stygia, and I, and I lifted it in its cloth gold bag out of the coils of the great serpent which guarded it, without uh, ooh, without awakening him. Hmm? Huh? Yeah. Uh, but uh, come, in Bal's name, are we to waste the night in discussion? They glided through the shrubbery at the gleaming foot of the tower, and there, with a motion enjoining silence, Taurus unwound his knotted cord, and on one end of which was a, a strong steel hook. Conan saw his plan, eh? and asked no questions, in the media, and immediately gripped the line short distance below the hook, and began to swing it about his head. And Conan laid his ear to the smooth wall and listened, but he could hear nothing. Evidently, the soldiers within did not suspect the presence of intruders, uh, who had made no more sound than the night wind blowing through the trees. Yeah, but a strange nervousness was on the barbarian. Perhaps it was uh, the lion's smell, which was over everything. Well, that's interesting enough. Uh, why don't we, uh, I don't know, retire over there, about three feet away, where I've got a bunch of yak pelts. Uh, I can't really have the master bedroom where I read to you romantic books and we lie around naked and have kind of a romantic evening, getting sensual my little pet. Now instead, we're going to go over these yak pelts and uh, just lay down Uh, and I'll just read to you the latest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Ah, there you are. I saw you roughly three feet ago, back by the fire. And here you are in my master pelt area, where we lay across uh, all these yak pelts. As I'm sitting here shirtless, my chest glistening against the campfire light. And uh, you're dressed like an 1890s schoolmarm. Why is that? Hey, look, you got like a magnifying glass and a butterfly net. It's weird. I hear you. Putting out a book. I'm supposed to take it from you. A, a, sinis- a sinister revenge by Deanna Rayburn. Fine. About a sinister revenge, Veronica must find and stop a devious killer when a group of old friends is targeted for death in this new adventure for the New York Times best-selling and Edgar Award-nominated author Deanna Rayborn. I would hope that, uh, well, New York Times is a throwaway. As long as you pay money, you can be ranked up there. But Edgar Award-nominated, well, 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 that's got to be something pretty important, I imagine. Uh, Veronica's natural historian, Beau, Beau, Stoker, I imagine it's probably supposed to be Bram Stoker or something, has been away in Bavaria for months, and their relationship is at an impasse. But when Veronica shows up before him with his brother, Tiberius, Lord Templeton Vane, uh, he was lured back home by an intriguing job offer, preparing an, 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 an Guadadan for a very special dinner party. Tiberius has received cryptic messages. Uh, along with obituaries of two recently deceased members of his old group of friends, the seven sinners <laughs> yeah, sounds like a fun group uh, that he should too get his affairs in order, realizing that he is in grave danger uh, but not knowing why he plans a reunion party for the remaining sinners at his family estate to lure the killer out while Veronica and Stoker investigate. As the guests arrive and settle in, the evening's events turn deadly. More clues come to light, leading Veronica Stoker and Tiberius to uncover a shared past among the sinners that has led to the fatal present. Ah, but the truth must be far more sinister than that they were prepared for. Well, that sounds pretty boring, a sleuth, adventure sleuth novel, A Sinister Revenge by Deanna Rayburn. Uh, you can get it for 28 bucks. March 7th uh, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble Books, a million, bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's Target, and Walmart. Well, uh, your outfit leaves me wanting. I feel no arousal in my phallus or my groins. So with that, why don't we return back to the campfire over there and uh, continue reading the rest of this story. There you are. Uh, you're back over here, over by the campfire, and I see you're still wearing the dress. That's fine. I don't care. It doesn't impress me. Uh, it doesn't fit with the times of the warrior's hut, which is probably what I find so insulting and uh, not attractive. But uh, you decided to wear it anyways, even though I was, had the people outside the hut singing that jaunty song that's supposed to inspire romance, but you chose to be a turd. Well, with that, let's dive back into the story. Taurus... Through the line with a smooth, rippling motion of his mighty arm. Oh, the hook curved upward and inward in a particular manner, as hard to describe, and vanished over the jeweled rim. It apparently caught firmly, for cautious jerking and then hard pulling did not result in any slipping or giving. Yeah, good, that's nice. Uh, luck, the first cast, murmured Taurus. I dash, it was coded savage instinct, which made him wheel suddenly, for the death that was upon them made no sound. A fleeting glimpse showed the Cimmerian the giant tawny shape, rearing upright against the stars, towering over him. Uh, For the death stroke No civilized man could have moved Half so quickly as the barbarian Moved Oh his sword flashed frostily That's dumb In the starlight with every ounce of desperate nerve And threw behind it And the man and beast went down together Cursing uh, incoherently beneath his breath, Taurus uh, bent above the mass and saw his companion's limbs move as he strove to drag himself from under the great weight that lay limply upon him. A glance showed the startled Numidian that the lion was dead. its slanting skull split in half and uh, laid hold of the carcass uh, by his aid and, and Conan thrust it aside and clambered up, still gripping his dripping sword. I, uh, Are you hurt, man? Gasped Taurus, still uh, bewildered by the stunning swiftness of the Touch and Go episode. The Touch and Go episode. No, by Crom," answered the barbarian. "But that was as close a call as I've had in a life now wasted. I uh, uh, <coughs> stays to the show. Why did, the, 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 why did not the cursed beast roar as he charged? Oh, all things are strange in this garden," said Taurus. "The lions strike silently, and so do other deaths. But come, uh, little sound was made in that sling, and if the soldiers might have heard, they might not uh, uh, not asleep or drunk. The beast was in some other part of the garden and escaped the. Death of the flowers, but surely there are no more. We must climb this cord. A little deed to ask a Sumerian if he can, <laughs> and if it will bear my weight. Grunted Conan, cleansing his sword on the grass. It will bear thrice my own. Answered Taurus. It was woven from the tresses of dead women. What? Which I took from their tombs at midnight. And Steve, what's a? Tr- Hold on, honey, what's a tress? Okay. So he's got a rope made of dead women's hairs. That's disgusting. And he stepped into the deadly wine of the up-ass tree, up-ass, that's how I'm going to pronounce it, U-P-A-S, up-ass tree, to give it strength. I will go first, and then follow me closely. Well, The Midian gripped the rope and crooked his knee about it, and began the ascent, and he went up like a cat. Bellying the apparent clumsiness of his boat. The Cimmerian followed. The cord swayed and turned on itself, but the climbers were not hindered. Both had made more difficult climbs before. Uh, the jeweled rim glittered high above them, jutting out from the per- perpendicular of the wall, so that the cord hung, oh, I don't know, perhaps a foot from the side of the tower, a fact which added greatly to the ease of the ascent. Up and up they went, silently, the lights of the city spreading out further and further to their sight as they climbed. The lights of the city, I imagine if the bar that they were in earlier where they had the big fight only had one candle, how many candles are going on in this city? Each house has got to probably only have one. How many lights? I'll let it go. The stars above them more and more dimmed by the glitter of the jewels along the rim. Now Taurus reached up a hand and gripped the rim itself, pulling himself up and over. Conan paused for a moment on the very edge. Fascinated by the frosty jewels whose gleams dazzled in his eyes. Diamonds, eh? uh, rubies, yeah. emeralds, eh, 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 and sapphires. Uh, turquoises, uh, moonstones, set thick as stars in the shivering silver. At a distance, their differing uh, gleams had seemed to merge into a pulsing white glare, but now, at close range, they shimmered with a million rainbows. Oh, the lights hypnotizing with their scintillations. There's a a fabulous fortune here, Taurus, he whispered, but the Dominion answered impatiently. "Uh, Come on, if we uh, secure the heart, these of all other things shall be ours. Conan climbed over the sparkling rim. The level of the tower's top was some feet below the gemmed ledge. It was flat composed of some dark blue substance, set with gold, and caught the starlight, so that the, the hole looked like a, a wide sapphire flecked with shining gold dust. Across from the point where they had entered, there seemed to be a sort of chamber built upon the roof. Oh, it was of the same silvery metal as the walls of the tower adorned with to designs, yeah, it worked in smaller gems. Its uh, singular door uh, was of gold, uh, and its surface cut in scales, encrusted with jewels that gleamed like ice. Conan cast a glance at the pulsing ocean of lights which spread far below them and then glanced at Taurus. The median was drawing up his cord and coiling it. Oh, that dead woman's hair. Just coiling it around. Gotta keep this dead woman's hair. Can't let this go. Uh, he showed Conan where the hook had caught it. A fraction of an inch of the point had sunk under a great blazing jewel on the inner side of the rim. Oh, that's awesome. Luck was with us again, he muttered. One would think that our combined weight would have torn that stone out. Follow me! The real risks of the venture begin now. Uh, we are in the serpent's lair, and we know not where he lies hidden. Like stalking tigers, uh, they crept across the darkly gleaming floor and halted outside the sparkling door. With a deft and cautious hand, Taurus tried it. Oh, it gave without resistance, and the companions looked in, tensed for anything. Over the Dominion's shoulder, Conan had a glimpse of glittering chambers, the walls, the ceiling, the floor, which were crusted with great white jewels, which were lighted up brightly, which he seemed, only oh, the uh, an illumination, it seemed empty of life. Before we cut off our last retreat, His Taurus, you go to the rim and look over on all sides. And if you see any soldiers moving in the gardens or anything suspicious, return uh, and and, uh, and, uh, tell me. And I will await you within this chamber. Conan saw scant reason in this. "'and a faint suspicion of his companion "'touched his wary soul. "'But he did as Taurus requested. "'And as he turned away, the Midian slapped inside "'and uh, the door, and he drew it shut behind him, "'and uh, Conan crept about the rim of the tower, "'returning to the starting point "'without having seen anything suspicious uh, "'in the vaguely wavering sea of leaves now. "'Oh, he turned toward the door. "'Suddenly, from within the chamber, "'this sounded a strangled cry!' The Sumerian leapt forward, electrified, and the gleaming door swung open and, and Taurus stood framed in the cold blaze behind him, and he swayed with his lips parted, but only a dry rattle and burst from his throat, and he catching at the golden door for support, he lurched out upon the roof, and he fell headlong, clutching at his throat. Oh, the door swung to uh, behind him, and Conan, crouching like a oh, like a panther at bay. Saw nothing in the room uh, behind the stricken Nemedian, and in the brief instant the door was partly open, unless it was uh, oh, not a trick of the light which made him seem as if the shadow darted across the bleeding door. Oh, nothing followed Taurus out on the roof, and Conan bent above the band. The Nemedian stared up with dilated, blazing eyes that somehow held a terrible bewilderment. Uh, His hands clawed his throat, his his lips slobbered and gurgled, and suddenly he stiffened, and the astounded Cimmerian knew that he was dead. He felt that uh, Taurus had died without knowing what manner of death had struck at him, and uh, Conan glared bewilderingly at the cryptic golden door. In that empty room with its glittering, jeweled walls, death had come to the Prince of Thieves, as swiftly, as mysteriously as it dealt doom to the lions of the guards below. Gingerly, the barbarian ran his hands over the man's half naked body, <laughs> seeking a wound, uh, but only the marks of violence between his shoulders, high up near the base of his bull neck, uh, the three small wounds which. Looked as if three nails had been driven deep into the flesh and withdrawn. The edges of these wounds were black, and the faint smell of putrefaction—I'm putrefaction, going with that—was evident. Poison darts, thought Conan, but in the case of missiles, should still be in the wounds. Cautiously, he stole toward the golden door, pushed it open, and looked inside. The chamber lay empty, bathed in the cold, pulsing glow of a myriad of jewels, and in the very center of the ceiling he idly noted a curious design, a black, eight-sided pattern, in in, in the center of which four gems glittered. I get it, there's a lot of gems everywhere. With red flame, unlike the white blaze of the other jewels. Across the room... Now, there was another door, like the one that he just stood, except that it was not carved with a scale pattern, it was a, a door if that, from which death had come, eh? question mark, M-dash, and having struck down its victim, had it retreated by the same way? Closing the door behind him, the Siberian advanced into the chamber. His bare feet made no sound of the crystal floor. There were no stairs uh, or, or chairs or tables or chamber, only three or four silken couches embroidered with gold and worked in strange serpentine designs. The silver-bound uh, mahogany chests uh, were was sealed with heavy golden locks, and others lay open, uh, their caravan lids thrown back, revealing heaps of jewels and a careless riot uh, of splendor in the Sumerian's stouted eyes. Uh, Conan swore beneath his breath already he had looked upon more wealth that night than he had ever dreamed existed in all the world. Uh, and he drew, uh, dizzy, uh, thinking that it must be the valley of the jewel that he sought. He was in the center of the room now, going as uh, stooped forward, his head thrust out wearily, sword advanced, and then again, death struck at him soundlessly. A flying shadow that uh, swept across the bleeding floor. That was his only warning, and his instinctive sidelong leap and that was all that saved his life. And he had a flashy glimpse of a, a, a hairy black whore that swung past him with a clashing and frothing fangs, and uh, something splashed at his bare shoulder that burned like drops of liquid hellfire springing back sword high he saw the horror strike the floor wheel and scuttle toward him with appalling speed a gigantic black spider such as men only see in in nightmare dreams it was as large as a as a pig <laughs> its eight thick, hairy legs drove the ogreish body over the floor at headlong pace. Its four evilly gleaming eyes, ugh, evilly, shone with a horrible intelligence. And its fangs dripped venom that Conan knew from the burning of his shoulder, where only a few drops had splashed as the thing struck and missed. It was laden with swift death. This was the killer that had dropped from its perch in the middle of the ceiling and, and stranded its web on its neck in the median fools that were not uh, to have suspected the upper chambers would be guarded as well as the lower uh, exclamation point. Uh, these, These thoughts flashed briefly through Conan's mind as the monster rushed. He leapt high and it passed beneath him wheeled and charged back. This time he evaded its rush with a sidewise leap and struck back like a cat. His sword severed one of the hairy legs, and again he barely saved himself as the monstrosity swerved at him, fangs clicking fiendishly, but the creature did not press the pursuit. Turning, it scuttled across the crystal floor and ran up the wall to the ceiling where it crouched for an instant, glaring down at him with its fiendish red eyes. Then, without warning, it launched itself through space, trailing a strand of slimy grayish stuff. Conan! stepped back to avoid the hurtling body, then ducked frantically just in time to escape being snared by the flying web rope. He saw the monster's intent and sprang forward to the door, but it was quicker and a a sticky strand cast across the door made him a prisoner. He dared not try to cut it with his sword. He knew the stuff would cling to the blade so before he could shake it loose, so the fiend wouldn't be sinking his fangs in his back. Then he began a desperate game. The wits and quickness of man. Matched against the fiendish craft and speed of a giant spider, it no longer scuttled across the floor in a direct charge or swung its body through the air at him. It raced about the ceiling and the walls, seeking to snare him in the long loops of sticky gray web strands, which is flung with its devilish accuracy. These strands were thick as ropes. Conan knew that once they were coiled about him, his desperate strength would not be enough to tear him free before the monster struck all over the chamber with the devil's dance in utter silence except for the quick breathing of the man and the low scuff of his bare feet of the shining floor. The uh, castanet rattle of the monstrosity's fangs... "'The gray strands lay in coils on the floor, "'and they were looped along the walls. "'They overlaid the jeweled chests and silken couches "'and hung in dusty festoons from the jeweled ceiling. "'Conan's steel-trap quickness of eye and muscle "'had kept him untouched. Uh, "'Though the sticky loops had passed him so close they rassed his naked eye, "'he knew he could not always avoid them. "'He not only had to watch the strands "'swing from the ceiling, "'but to keep his eye on the floor, "'lest he trip in the coils that lay there.' Sooner or later, the gummy loop would writhe about him, python-like, and then wrapped like a cocoon, he would lie at the monster's mercy. Well, the spider raced across the train floor, uh, and the gray rope weaving about behind it. Conan leaped high, eh, clearing a couch, and then with a quick wheel in a fend, he ran up the wall in the strand, and leaping off the floor like a like a live thing, he whipped about the Cimmerian's ankle, and he caught, him, uh, caught himself in the hands as he fell... Jerking frantically at the web, which held him like a pliant vise. Or the uh, coil of a python. The hairy devil was racing down the wall to complete his capture. Strung, stung to frenzy, Conan caught up a jewel chest and hurled it with all his strength. It was a move the monster was not expecting. "'Full in the midst of the branching of the black legs, "'the massive uh, missile struck, "'smashing against the wall with a muffled, "'sickening crunch. "'Blood and greenish slime spattered, "'and the shattered mass fell "'with the burst gem chest on the floor. "'The crushed black body lay among the flaming riot "'of jewels that spilled over it. "'The hairy legs moved aimlessly. "'The dying eyes glittered redly among the twinkling gems. "'Conan glared about, "'but no other horror appeared. And then he set himself to working free of the weapon. The substance clung tenaciously to his ankle and his hands, and at last he was free, and taking up his sword, he picked up his way along the great coils and loops to the inner door. That uh, whores lay within, he did not know. The Siberian's blood was up, and since he had come so far and overcame so much peril, he was determined to go through with the grim finish of the adventure, whatever that might be and he felt that the jewel he sought was not among uh, the many so carelessly strewn about the, uh, the gleaming chamber stripping off the loops that followed the inner door. He found that uh, like the other, it was not locked. He wondered if the soldiers below were still unaware of his presence. Well, he was high above their heads and if tales were to be believed that they were used to strange noises in the tower above them sinister sounds and, and screams of agony and horror uh, Yara was on his mind and he was not altogether uh, uncomfortable as he opened up the golden door, but he saw only a flight of silver steps leading down, dimly lighted by what means he could not ascertain. Probably a candle. Down these he went silently, gripping the sword. He heard no sound, and he came presently to an ivory door set with bloodstones, and he listened, Uh, but no sound came from within. Only the thin wisps of smoke drifted lazily from beneath the door, being a curious exotic odor unfamiliar to the Sumerian, uh, below him the silver stair wound down to vanish into the darkness. And up that shadowy well, no sound floated. He had an eerie feeling that he was alone in a tower occupied only by ghosts and phantoms. Well, uh, here we go. Chapter 3. Um, uh, consciously, he pressed his Uh, against the ivory door and swung it silently inward and on the shimmering threshold Conan stared like a wolf in strange surroundings ready to fight or flee on the instant I was looking into a large chamber with a domed golden ceiling and and the walls were green jade and the floors of ivory uh, that's his poor taste Partially covered by thick rugs, that part's okay. Smoke and exotic scents of incense floated up from a from a brazier on a golden tripod, and behind it sat an idol, uh, sort of a sort of a marble couch. Conan stared aghast. The image had the body of a man, Not naked. Green in color, uh, but the head was of uh, nightmare and madness. That's unattractive. Too large, yeah, for the human body. It had no attributes of humanity. Conan stared at the wide, flaring ears. Is that what makes it terrifying? The big ears? The curling proboscis. (laughs) Uh, I'm not exactly sure what a proboscis is. I think I know what it is. Let's just make sure. The nose of a mammal Alright, fine, I figured that was what it was I was hoping it was something else more disturbing And on either side, of so big ears and a big nose, apparently On either side of which stood white tusks Tipped with golden balls All oh, the eyes were closed as if in sleep uh, This, then, was the reason for the name The Tower of the Elephant For the head of the thing was much like that of the beast Described in Shemitish Wanderer This was Yara's God Where then should the gem be? But concealed in the idol. Oh, since the stone was called the Elephant's Heart. As Conan came forward, his eyes fixed on the motionless idol. Oh, the eyes of the thing opened suddenly! Exclamation point. The Sumerian froze in his tracks with no exclamation point. It was no image. It was a living thing. And he was trapped in its chamber. That did not exactly uh, explode in a burst of murderous frenzy is a, is a fact that measures his horror, which paralyzed him where he stood. A civilized man in his position would have sought doubtful revenge in the conclusion that he was insane. It did not occur to the Siberian to doubt his senses. He knew he was face to face with the demon of the Elder World. The realization robbed him of all his faculties except sight. The trunk of the horror was lifted and quested about. The topaz eyes stared unseeingly, and uh, Conan knew the monster was blind. With the thought uh, came a thawing of his frozen nerves, and he began to back silently toward the door. All oh, but the creature heard. All oh, the sensitive trunk stretched toward him, and Conan's horror froze him again when, when, when the being spoke uh, in a strange stammering voice that never changed his key or timbre. The Sumerian knew that those jaws were never built uh, or intended for human speech. Uh, Who is there? Have you come to torture me again, Yara? Will you never be done? Oh, yeah, Gosha. Is Is there no end to the agony? Ah, uh, tears rolled from the sightless eyes, and Conan's gaze strayed to the limbs stretched on the marble couch. And he knew the monster would not rise to attack him. He knew the marks of the wreck, and the searing brand, the flame, and the, and the tough-souled as he was, he, he stood aghast at the ruined deformities, which his reason told him had been once limbs as comely, as comely as his own. And suddenly, all fear and repulsion went from him to be replaced by a eh, a great pity. Oh, what this monster was! Conan would not know, but the evidences of its sufferings were so terrible, and pathetic that a strange aching sadness came over the Cimmerian, and I knew not why. He only uh, felt that he was looking upon a cosmic tragedy, and he shrank with shame, as if the guilt of a whole race were laid upon him. I'm not uh, I'm not Yara," he said. "I am only a thief, and I will not harm you." To come near, that I may touch you. The creature faltered, and Conan came near unfearingly, his sword hanging forgotten in his hand. The sensitive trunk came out and, and groped over his face and shoulders, as a blind man gropes, and its, its touch was light as a girl's hand. Uh, you, you're not of Yar's race at Devils sighed the creature. "'The clean, lean fierceness of the wasteland marks you. "'Oh, I know your people from old, uh, "'whom I knew by another name a long, long ago. "'When another world lifted its jeweled spires to the stars, "'ah, there is blood on your fingers!' "'That uh, a spider in the chamber above "'and a lion in the garden,' muttered Conan. Yeah, "'You have slain a man, too, this night,' answered the other. "'And there is death in the tower above, I feel. "'I know!' I, muttered Conan. The prince of all thieves lies there dead from the bite of a vermin. Ah, oh, so and so, the strange and human voice rose in a sort of low chant. A slaying in the tavern and a slaying on a roof. I know, I feel, and the third will make a magic of which not even Yara dreams. Oh, magic of deliverance, great gods of Yag. Again, tears fell as the tortured body was rocked to and fro in the grip of varied emotions Conan looked on bewildered then the convulsion ceased the soft sightless eyes were turned toward the Siberian the trunk beckoned oh man listen said the strange being I am foul and monstrous to you am I not nay do not answer I know but you would seem strange to me could I see you <coughs> that stays in the show There are many worlds besides this earth, and life takes many shapes. I'm neither god nor demon, but flesh and blood like yourself, Uh, though the substance differ in time, and the form may be cast in different mold. I am very old, old oh, man of the waste countries. Long and long ago, I came... He's going to have this big, long speech that I have to keep doing this dumb voice I chose to use. I came to this planet with others of my world from the green planet Yacht, which circles forever in the outer fringe of the universe. We swept through space... Our mighty wings that drove us through the cosmos quicker than light because we had warred with the kings of Yang and were defeated and outcast. But we could never return, for on Earth our wings... <clears throat> Withered from my shoulders and Here we abode Apart from earthly life Oh, we fought the strange and terrible forms of life Which we then walked on earth And that we became feared And we were not molested in the dim jungles of the past Where we had our abode We saw men grow This is going on forever We saw men grow from the ape And build of the sunny cities Of Vassalo, Camila, Camorta And other sisters we filled for the reams of the thrust And the heathers, of the Atlantis Of the Picts and Luziers. We saw the oceans rise in the Gulf of Atlantis and Lemuria on the Isles of the Picts and the Shining Cities of Civilization. We saw the survivors of Pictum and the Atlantis build on their Stone Age Empires and go down to ruin, looked up bloody wars, and we saw the Picts sink into abysmal savagery. They're just throwing all these terms of cities, names, and stuff like we're supposed to care the Atlanteans, and they ape'd them again. apedom them again? We saw new savages drift southward and conquering ways from the electric circle to build a new civilization, new kingdoms called the Media and coath and Aquilonia and their sisters. We saw you people rise under a new name from the jungles of the apes that have been Atlanteans. <sighs> We saw the descendants of the Lemurians who had survived the cataclysm rise again through the savagery of the rise of the West Now, our and we saw the race of devils, survivors, and ancient civilizations that were before the Atlantis sank and came once more to the culture and power and accused humans kingdom of All of this we saw, neither abiding nor hindering in the immutable cosmic law, and one by one we died. For we of Yag are not immortal, though our lives are the lives of planets and constellations. At last, I alone was left, dreaming of old times among the ruined temples of the jungle lost Kahite, worshipped as a guide by the ancient yellow-skinned race. Oh, Christ, the yellow-skinned race. Jesus Christ. That's right, Cahiti's supposed to be Asian. Then came the Yara, versed in a dark knowledge handed down through the days of barbarism since before Atlantis, sank. He's still going First, I'm not doing the voice anymore He sat at my feet and learned wisdom But he was not satisfied with what I taught him For it was white magic And we wished evil lore to enslave kings And a glut of fiendish ambition I would teach him none of the black secrets I had gained Though no wish of mine threw this up Oh the wisdom was deeper than I had get. He's just, this is page after page With guile, I would stab him He'd be talking with his little trunk Trying to touch me, this little girlish touch And then I'd just put a sword right through his Goddamn mouth. With a guile gone from the dusky tombs of the dark Stygia, he uh, trapped me into diverging a secret that I had not intended to bear. Oh, turning my own power upon me, he enslaved me. Oh, gods of Yag, uh, my cup has been bitter uh, since that hour. Uh, he brought me out from the jungles of Cahiti, where the gray, gray apes danced to the pipes of the yellow priests, and offering the fruit of the wine, heaped my broken altars. No more was I a god to kindly jungle folk. I was a slave to a devil in human form. "'Again, tears stole from the unseeing eyes. Ah, "'He pent me in the tower which he commanded. "'I built for him in a single night, "'and by fire and rack he mastered me "'and then the strange unearthly torches "'which you would not understand. "'In agony, I would long ago have taken my own life "'if I could, but he kept me alive, "'mangled, blinded, and broken, "'to do his uh, foul bidding, "'and for three hundred years I have done his bidding. From this, "'From this marble couch!' blackening my soul with the cosmic sins and staining my wisdom with crimes because I had no other choice yet not all my ancient secrets has he rested for me and my last gift shall be the sorcery of the blood and the jewel he's still going for I feel the end of time draw near you are the hand of fate I beg of you take the gem you will find it on yonder altar altar so it's not even on him it's just like across the room sitting on a table Conan turned to the golden ivory altar, indicated, and took up a great round jewel, oh, clear as crimson crystal, and he knew that this was the heart of the elephant. Now for the great magic, the mighty magic, which, as Earth has not seen before and shall not see again through a million million of millenniums, and my lifeblood I conjure it by blood borne on the green beast of Yang, dreaming as far poised in the great blue vastness of space... Take your sword, man, and cut out my heart. Then squeeze it, so the blood will flow over the red stone. And then go you down these stairs and enter the ebony chamber, where Yara sits, wrapped in a lotus dreams of evil. Speak his name, then he will awaken. Then lay this gem before him and say, Yag Kosha gives you a last gift and the last enchantment. Then get you from the tower quickly. Fear not, and your way shall be made clear. <clears throat> the life of man is not the life of Yag. Nor is human death the death of Yag. Why am I doing the voice again? Let me be free of this cage of broken blank flesh, and I will once more be Yagoa of Yag, morning crowned and shining, with wings to fly, and feet to dance, and eyes to see, and hands to break. Break what? Uncertainly, Conan approached, and Yagosha, or Yagoa, as if sensing uncertainty, indicated ah, where he should strike. Conan set his teeth and drove the sword deep, thank God. Blood streamed over the blade in his hand, and the monster started convulsively uh, to lay back and quite still. Sure that life had fled, or at least that life as he understood it, Conan set to work on his grisly task, and quickly brought forth something that he felt must be the strange being's heart, though it differed eh, uh, uh, curiously from any he seemed, seen. Holding the still uh, pulsing organ over the blazing joint, oh, he pressed it to both hands, and, uh, and a rain of blood fell on the stone. And to his surprise, it did not run off. Oh, but soaked into the gem as water is absorbed by a sponge. Holding the jewel gingerly, he went out of the fantastic chamber and came upon the silver steps. He did not look back, but he instinctively felt that some sort of transmutation was taking place uh, in the body of the marble couch and further felt that it was a sort of a, uh, not to be witnessed by, by human eyes. I closed the ivory door behind him and without hesitation descended the silver step. It did not occur to him <clears throat> to ignore the instructions given him He halted at the ebony door, in the center of which was a a grinning silver skull, and he pushed it open. And he looked into the chamber of ebony and jet and saw on a black silken couch a tall spire from reclining. Oh, Yara, the priest and sorcerer, laid before him his eyes open and dilated with the fumes of the yellow lotus, far staring as if fixed on gulfs and nighted abysses beyond human ken. Yara, said Conan, like a judge pronouncing doom, awaken. His eyes cleared instantly became cold and cruel as a vultures. The tall, silken-clad form lifted erect, and the tower gauntly above the spear. Oh, dog! His hiss was like that of a voice of a, oh, I uh, uh, a cobra. Uh, what do you do here? Coden laid the jewel on the great ebony table. He who sent this gem bade me say, Yakosha gives a last gift and a last enchantment. Well, Yara recoiled, his dark-faced ashy burp, the jewel was no longer crystal clear. Its murky depths pulsed and throbbed, and curious smoky waves of change of color passed over its smooth surface as if drawn hypnotically. Yara bent over the table and gripped the gem in his hands, uh, staring into its shadow depths as if it were a magnet to draw the shuddering soul from the body, and as Conan looked, he thought that his eyes must be playing him tricks. For when Yara had risen up from his couch, the priest had seemed gigantically tall, Yet not how he saw Yara's head would be scarce to come to a uh, He blinked, puzzled, and for the first time that night, doubted his own senses. Then, with a shock, he realized that the priest was shrinking in stature, was growing smaller before his very gaze. With a detached feeling, he watched as a man might watch a play. Immersed in a feeling of overpowering unreality, the Sumerian was no longer sure of his own identity. He only knew that he was looking upon in external evidences of the unseen play of vast outer forces beyond his understanding. Now Yara was no bigger than a child. Now, like a like an infant, eh? he sprawled on the table. He <laughs> still grasped the jewel, <laughs> and now the sorcerer suddenly, uh, realizing his fate, well, he sprang up, yeah, adorably releasing the gem. But still, he dwindled, and Conan saw a tiny pygmy figure. Rushing wildly about the ebony tabletop, waving tiny arms and shrieking in a voice that was like the squeak of an insect. <laughs> now he had shrunk until the great jewel towered above him like a hill, and Conan saw him cover his eyes with his hands as if to shield them from the glare, as he staggered about like a madman, and Conan uh, sensed that some unseen magnetic force was pulling Yara to the gem. Thrice, he raced wildly about it in a narrowing circle. Thrice... He strove in turn and ran out across the table, and then with a scream that echoed uh, faintly in the ears of the watcher, the priest threw up his arms and ran straight toward the blazing globe. Bending close, Conan saw Yara clamber up the smooth, curving surface, impossibly, like a man climbing a, oh, a glass mountain, and now the priest stood on top, still with tossing arms, evoking what grisly names only the gods know. And suddenly he sank into the very heart of the jewel, as a man sinks into a sea. And Conan saw the smoky waves close over his head, and now he saw him in the crimson heart of the jewel, once more crystal clear, as a man sees a scene far away, tiny, with great distance. And, and into the heart came a, came a green, shiny, winged figure, uh, with the body of a man, and the uh, the head of an elephant. No longer blind or crippled, Yara threw up his arms and fled as a madman flees. On his heels came the Avenger. Then, like the bursting of a bubble, the great jewel vanished and a rainbow burst of iridescent gleams, and the ebony tabletop lay bare and deserted. As bare, Conan somehow knew, as the marble couch in the chamber above, where the body of that strange transcosmic being called Yag Kakosha and Yoga Yo had lain. "'The Cimmerian turned and fled from the chamber. "'Down the silver stairs, so amazed was he "'that it did not occurred to him to escape from the tower "'by way he had entered it. "'Down that winding, shadowy silver well he ran "'and came into a large chamber at the foot of gleaming stairs. "'There he halted for an instant, "'had he had not come into the room of the soldiers. <clears throat> "'He saw the glitter of the silver corslets, "'the sheen of their jeweled sword-hilts, "'and they sat slumped at the banquet board, "'their dusky plumes waving somberly "'above their drooping, helmeted heads.' Ah, they lay their dice and fallen goblets on the wine-stained uh, floor. And before he knew that, they were dead. The promise had been made, the word kept. Whether sorcery or magic, the falling shadow of great green wings had stilled the revelry. Conan uh, could not know, but his way had been made clear. And a silver door stood open, framed in the whiteness of dawn. Into the waving green gardens came the Siberian, as the dawn wind blew upon him with cool fragrance of luxuriant growth. He started like a man, waking from a dream, and turned back uncertainly to stare at the cryptic tower he had just left. Oh uh, was he was he witched and enchanted? And had he dreamed all the it seemed to have passed As he looked, he saw the gleaming tower sway against the crimson dawn, its dual-crusted rim sparkling in the growing light and crash into shining shards. Well, there you go, there's that. Why don't we uh, get out of this hut, Uh, open that flap, go outside and uh, have a cigarette or something and uh, talk about what the hell we just read. Well, there you are. Uh, close the flap. Um, so, uh, what did we learn in this story? We learned that, uh, these stories are not connected. The previous story that we read, The Phoenix on the Sword... Uh, it was just kind of about Conan. He wasn't really involved, and then just sort of like a wizard who got to be evil, and then it just kind of ended there. you think the next story in the lineup is supposed to carry on from that, but nope. Now Conan is just out on an adventure. It's like watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Like watching He-Man. Every episode barely connected to the last. <clears throat> so, what do we learn? Uh, Conan, a man of adventure, uh, just decided to go find this castle because he just really wanted the riches. And so, uh, no one can get the heart of the elephant. He's like, I could get it. I'm Conan. And so he blows out there one candle that lit up the entire bar, apparently. And then he beats everyone up and gets the heck out of there. Uh, gets to the castle. He meets a of course, every character in this book <clears throat> has to fit some kind of weird stereotype. Uh, so, uh, a guy who's overweight. So great. A guy who's overweight. He wound up uh, being a master thief. But he got killed, even though he's prepared to drug tigers and whatever else. Uh, And so then uh, it's up to Conan to finish it himself. So then he goes and he he finds uh, the elephant statue-looking thing. And it's a pathetic cosmic creature, uh, probably taken from uh, his friendship with uh, H.P. Lovecraft. And so uh, blah, 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 my wings don't work. Uh, Kill me and I'll make it worth your while. So kills him, puts the blood all over the gem, gives it to the evil wizard. He becomes a, a tiny man. And comedically gets sucked into the actual gem where apparently the elephant guy is sitting there waiting and they have like a kind of uh, Tom and Jerry running around chasing each other kind of scene inside the gem. Uh, And then the gem disappears and then uh, that's it. So Conan walks out with nothing. uh, Nothing at all. Uh, He didn't even try to pry off one of the gems on the outside of the tower or nothing. He's just like, well, sucks to this and just walked out of the tower and then the story ends. Uh, What's good, Um, I think... If I hadn't learned how racist this author is, uh, I might have actually enjoyed this. It's got everything you're looking for if you're looking for campy sort of uh, sword and sorcery adventure. It's not the most creative thing in the world, but, you know, the guy kind of invented it. So, uh, you know, you got the action, you got the tigers, you got uh, jolly master thieves and, uh, whatever else. So it's, you know, technically good. You got the magic happening and and all that stuff. You have a quest. The quest is completed. It's basically everything a guy who plays a lot of Dungeons and Dragons would uh, look forward to. Except the thing is, is once I learned about, uh, how these races that he's got in here that he will not stop listing off, the elephant would not stop talking about the entire history of every one of these races and lands and peoples and, uh... Uh, but once you learn about how they're based on other races in an unflattering way, then you can start to pick them out. Oh, uh, the yellow-skinned Kalidis, or whatever they're called. Great, great, I just read that on the air, knowing the history and context behind it. So, uh... I mean, it's good. The story's good. It's good for kids, I imagine. Kids would read it and like it. What sucks? The racism. And once you know his racist background, it ruins all the stories. Because then all of a sudden you start to see how he's talking about all these other races in his stories. Because they're all racist. races. Uh, what do we learn? Uh... Don't make friends on the internet. Uh, you make friends on the internet, and then you tell that friend, Oh, I gotta go do this thing. I'm gonna read this book for my podcast. And then that friend on the internet, words about books, says, Oh, yeah, you think you kinda like that, huh? Well, prepare to have your heart, uh, crushed with all this information. And then they gave me all the information about his friendship with HP and his general raising. Literally gave me the articles. Here, read this. Try not to walk into a lake with rocks in your pockets. And so, uh... Is ignorance bliss? If I didn't know all this, I would have said, oh, that's not the worst thing in the world. Maybe I'll read one more. Uh, It's not like I'm going to define my life by it. It's not like it's kids in the 2000s reading Harry Potter. God, they can't stop dressing like it and going to the dumb website to find out what their Patronus is. It's not like I was going to do that, but, uh, you know, I might have enjoyed myself. But nope, instead, uh, knowledge is power. Now I know how horrible he is, and I don't want to read anything he's ever written ever again. Uh, So, uh, which one's better? I have no idea. All I know is I'm not talking to words about books anymore. Well, uh, next week, I'm going to get a makeover. Since uh, Twitter's kind of dead, I've realized I've got to take this show to the next level. So I'm giving it a makeover. And with that, uh, next time you see me, oh, God, you won't even recognize me. You're like, oh, Glenn, oh, look at that. You're not the same guy anymore. You seem more uh, dynamic and attractive. And so uh, uh and then I'll say yeah but you know there's still old Glenn in here He <laughs> can't take the Glenn you can take the podcast out of a- Well all right I'll see you next week Ah uh, well it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, Are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool... Uh, feel free to go over to my website uh, nuzzlehouse.com you can see a backlog of everything I've ever read but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok am I ever going to get on TikTok? No but if you want to look at my dead Instagram it's at uh, house nuzzle I also have Twitter which I use the most which is also conveniently at house nuzzle uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool you can always just email me directly glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com but don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. Can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left.